You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. I want to have us turn to Ezra chapter 7. In my uh, Bible reading a few weeks back, this is where I was reading. Uh, It was the book of Ezra. And this passage, uh, this account really stood out to me, and the Lord first worked on my heart. And uh, I thought, boy, this would make a a good sermon. Uh, Little did I know that I would then be asked to preach. So um, Ezra chapter 7, the title that I have here is A Prepared Heart. But we'll just start with uh, verses number 9 and 10, and we'll go from there. So Ezra chapter 7, verse number 9, the Bible says, For upon the first day of the month began he to go up from Babylon, and on the first day of the fifth month came he to Jerusalem, according to the good hand of his God upon him. For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord, and to do it, and to teach in Israel statutes and judgments. So let's open with a word of prayer, and then we'll kind of go through some more here. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you very much for this um, opportunity. Lord, you know where I'm at. You know I'm a little nervous. Uh, But God, I I pray that despite my nervousness, Lord, that you would work, um, that you would bless the the reading and the teaching of the word of God and that you would be glorified Lord I pray father that you would help me not to um, say anything in my flesh or that you don't want me to say Lord but I I ask and pray Lord that this would be about you and about glorifying the word of God and I pray that you would help all of us here and myself included Lord I still need to learn uh, that that you would help us all to have our hearts soft and tender to the word of God that what the Word of God has to say would, would fall on tender hearts, that you can work in us, Lord. Is, this is my prayer, and I ask that you'd bless the, the preaching of the Word of God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So to make sure we're all on the same page of what's happening here in, in the account in Ezra, <clears throat> as you'll know, his, Israel's history, uh, Israel started off as one nation, one kingdom. Uh, along the way, uh, Israel split two kingdoms. There was the northern kingdom uh, called Israel, and then there was the southern kingdom called Judah. Uh, And as time went on, you know the story, they would sin and then they'd come back to the Lord. They'd sin and come back to the Lord. Uh, But eventually, the Lord had said this was enough, and the northern kingdom of Israel uh, was taken into captivity by the Assyrians. They brought them and they split the people up among different uh, regions and areas so that they were divided. What? The, the southern kingdom, Judah, was still a, a kingdom, still a nation, and they continued on after um, Israel's captivity. But eventually they too were taken into captivity by Nebuchadnezzar. They were taken into Babylon. <clears throat> and the Bible tells us that they were going to be captives for 70 years. If you remember, um, I think it's Jeremiah was the prophet telling them to marry, to, to make homes, to work there, set up, and have your families there because you're going to be there for 70 years. <clears throat> but after those 70 years, the Lord was going to allow Judah to come back to Jerusalem, to come back to its land. <clears throat> but that happened in three different phases Uh, or three different segments of the return of Judah to Jerusalem. It was the first return was led by Zerubbabel. And what he did was he led the people back and they rebuilt the the temple, the house of God. And there was a large group of people that the king uh, allowed them to go up. You can see that in the the beginning of Ezra, chapter 1 accounts, it gives that account. Um, So that was the first phase of the return The second phase is where we're at, which is Ezra. He was the one that led the second phase. Um, He was commissioned basically to, uh, as as we'll look here, he was commissioned to return the vessels that were taken from the the temple of God 
under uh, Nebuchadnezzar. He was commissioned to bring those back, to set them back up into the temple that was now rebuilt. And he was also uh, commissioned to teach the law of God to the people and to restore the, the temple worship. And then the third and the final phase, um, which is more found in the book of Nehemiah, which was led by Nehemiah, and they rebuilt the wall around Jerusalem. So those were the three phases of the return from captivity for Judah. We don't read about any return for Israel, the northern kingdom. So that's where we are when we read this right here. Uh, Verse number 9 was basically a really short overview of the rest of the chapter of verse uh, chapter 7 and chapter 8. It just gives the minimum details, which was that they left uh, Babylon the first day of the first month, and they came to Jerusalem on the um, uh, first day of the fifth month. So it was a four-month journey, as we can see there. So if you'll look with me, we're just going to kind of skim, um, just for sake of time. I don't want to read two whole chapters, but it would be good if, if you go home and you read this yourself so you can get a, a more full picture of what was happening here. Uh, so we're going to read a few of the verses to get, a, get ourselves a good understanding of what's going on. We already read verses number 9 and 10. Look with me at um, verse number, we'll start in verse number 11. This is the king in Babylon at this time. He is speaking. The Lord has worked on his heart, and and he is now, the king is making this letter or decree and giving it to Ezra. So we'll read here 11 through 13. Now this is the copy of the letter that the king Artaxerxes gave unto Ezra the priest, the scribe, even a scribe of the words of the commandments of the Lord and of his statutes to Israel. Artaxerxes King of kings, unto Ezra the priest, ascribe the law of God of heaven, perfect peace, and at such a time. And now this is what he was saying to Ezra. I make a decree that all they of the people of Israel and of his priests and Levites in my realm, which are minded of their own free will to go up to Jerusalem, go with thee. So we see here that, uh, we see here that, Artaxerxes, the king, who is currently over their captivity, is now giving Ezra a decree saying, you can go back and you can take whoever will go with you of their own free will, and you can go back. And he gives him also some directions, is what we'll find in the rest of, basically the rest of this chapter. Uh, I want to highlight there's three main things that uh, he was told to do. Um, we can find the first of those in verse number 16 and 17. Uh, He says here, this is still King Artaxerxes in his decree to Ezra. He says, And all the silver and gold that thou canst find in all the province of Babylon, with the free will offering of the people and of the priests, offering willingly for the house of their God which is in Jerusalem, that thou mayest buy speedily with this money bullocks, rams, lambs, with their meat offerings, and their drink offerings, and offer them upon the altar of the house of your God, which is in Jerusalem. So that was the first thing he was told that he could do. Uh, Take the gold and the silver, any free will offerings, go back to Jerusalem, and you can purchase, as we read there, the bullocks, the rams, and the lambs, so that you can make your offerings upon the altar there that's been uh, rebuilt at the temple of of the Lord in in Jerusalem. So that was the first thing that uh, Ezra was commanded that he could do. The second thing here that we can see is in verse number 19. The Bible says, The vessels also that are given thee for the sacrifice of the house of thy God, those deliver thou before the God of Jerusalem. So going back to when they were taken into captivity, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came in. He, you can read about it in earlier books. He destroyed the temple. He, burnt, he, he ransacked the place, destroyed it. He took the vessels that were used in the service uh, to the Lord. He took those vessels and brought them back to Babylon, and they, they've been there ever since. So King Artaxerxes is saying, we'll give you back the vessels that are used in the service of the house of God. You can take those back and reestablish them to be used again in their proper uh, way. So that's the second thing. And then the third thing is if you drop down to verse number 25... Verse number 25, still King Artaxerxes, he says, And thou, Ezra, after the wisdom of thy God that is in thine hand, set magistrates and judges, which may judge all the people that are beyond the river, 
all such as know the laws of thy God, and teach ye them that know them not. So that was the third thing. In this passage here, those were the three things that King Artaxerxes uh, decreed that he could do. So the third and final, uh, go back. You can set up judges and magistrates to be over the people, and then you can teach. You can teach the law of God to the people. And so continuing on with this story, now he's got his decree. This is what he's told to do. Um, but I want us to notice that this was not just King Artaxerxes telling, telling Ezra, you know, you can do this. This is what I'm thinking if you want to do this. This was the will of God, and Ezra knew that. So I want us to look at that, uh, verse number 27 and 28. Now we're shifting. That's the end of the decree. Now it's Ezra speaking. Ezra says in verse number 27, Blessed be the Lord God of our fathers, which hath put such a thing as this in the king's heart, to beautify the house of the Lord which is in Jerusalem, and hath extended mercy unto me before the king and his counselors, and before all the king's mighty princes. And I was strengthened as the hand of the Lord my God was upon me, and I gathered together out of Israel chief men to go up with me. But notice there he says, back at verse number 27, uh, Blessed be the Lord God of our fathers, which hath put such a thing as this, in the king's heart. See, this was, and Ezra knew this, this was the will of God. It wasn't just uh, King Artaxerxes saying this. this. This was the will of God, and, and Ezra is recognizing that. So ver we get into chapter number 8 to be able to finish up the account. And we're not going to go through verses 8 through 20, essentially. Uh, this, is, this is accounting all of the people that went with Ezra. Going over the, the names and the, the children, the sons, and the fathers that all went. I tried to add up and do the math. Um, I lost track after a while, and it got a little confusing for me. But it's a minimum of 1,500 people there. It, it's a large group. It's not as big as the first group that went back, but it, it's a, still a large group of people. So where I do want us to pick up is... Um, Verse number 21 is, is where we'll pick up. So he's got the decree from the king. They're in Babylon right now. And um, he knows that this is the will of God. And he is now at this point in verse number 21. They are on the journey. The people are moving with him. And um, what has happened is they've stopped. If you look back at verse number 15, I guess. And I gathered them together to the river that runneth to Ahava. And there abode we in tents three days, and I viewed the people and the priests, and found there none of the sons of Levi. So that's where we are at verse number 21. They are there at the river of Ahava. And what I want us to see is what happens there and why they are stopped there in camp. So in verse number 21, Then I proclaimed a fast there at the river of Ahava, that we might afflict ourselves before our God, to seek of him a right way for us, and for our little ones, and for all our substance. For I was ashamed to require of the king a band of soldiers and horsemen to help us against the enemy in the way. Because we had spoken unto the king, saying, The hand of our God is upon all them for good that seek him, but his power and his wrath is against all them that forsake him. So we fasted and besought our God for this, and he was entreated of us. So they've set out on the journey. They've got the decree. Uh, they, all the people that are freely going up with him are now with him. They're on the journey. They've had to stop here at the river of Ahava uh, because as we read there, my understanding is there's an enemy in the way. There's opposition before them. They're on the, the journey doing the will of God, and opposition has come up against them before them. And so they're stopping and as you can see, it says that uh, they needed to seek the Lord, and Ezra proclaimed a fast, so we fasted and besought our God. So they were fasting and praying and asking the Lord uh, for assistance, for help. So finally, I want us, I know this is a lot, but I want you to try to bear with me here uh, to get a full picture of what's happening. Drop down to verse number 31, and, and this will finish up the account, this particular account in the Bible. So verse number 31, Then we departed from the river of Ahava on the twelfth day of the first month to go unto Jerusalem. And the hand of our God was upon us, and he delivered us from the hand of the enemy. 
and of, and of such as lay in wait by the way. And we came to Jerusalem and abode there three days. Now it goes on to tell us what they did with the, the gold and the silver and how they sacrificed and all that. But this is the end of the account that we read. They, they had a journey. It was a four-month journey from uh, Babylon out of captivity back to Jerusalem. And this is kind of the account and how, how it befell uh, Ezra and all of those. Um, just to make it cohesive again, what happened? We started in Babylon in captivity. The Lord put it in Artaxerxes' heart a decree to tell Ezra, you can go back. Ezra and the people that wanted to go with him freely, they began a journey. And on their journey, an enemy came before them in opposition. But they stopped, they prayed, they fasted, and they sought the Lord, and the Lord delivered them. And as we just read there, they finished on. That's the overview, that's the account. So what I want us to look at here is what was it that caused Ezra to be ready to lead the Jews out of captivity and back to Jerusalem? What was it that caused Ezra to seek the Lord and to continue to follow God's will, even in the face of that opposition, the enemy before them? When I read this, what really stood out to me, and what I believe the answer is, if you flip back to chapter 7, verse number 10, that first verse we read, uh, I think that's where the answer is. Look, look with me again. Ezra chapter 7, verse number 10. For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it, and to teach in Israel statutes and judgments. So Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it. And that's what I want to discuss. I want to discuss what it means to have a prepared heart like Ezra did in following the Lord, and how because he had his heart prepared, he was not broken, and that he was able to continue in the will of God in the face of opposition when the enemy came against him. <clears throat> so the first, number, first thought I have is, what does it mean that Ezra had prepared his heart? I've got a little example um, that popped in my mind when I was preparing this, and it's a personal example, and I don't mean this to be a, an example for other kids to follow as they're uh, graduating from high school. It's just what happened to me. It's more of a, a negative example, but it gives a contrast. When I graduated high school, I really had no idea what I was going to do. Um, at that time, you know, it's common. We go to college. That's what is in our society. We graduate high school. Might, might as well go for more school and, and do more years of that. But that wasn't really in my heart. I had no desire for it. I really don't in, it didn't enjoy uh, the schooling. But I had no idea what else to do. But I knew I didn't want to do four years full-time of school. So what I thought up was, well, I'll do a, um, online classes, which in my head, for some reason, would have been easier. You know, they're not full-time. I don't have to, morning to afternoon, be in class. I, just, I was thinking online will be easier. I don't really want to do this anyway. I'll just, I'll, I'll wing it. I can, I can figure it out. I'm sure it can't be too difficult. But, you know, I had no desire, and you can tell by the attitude that I'm trying to portray right now that my thoughts were not for, Bible, or for, um, for that technical school that I had enrolled in. So the obvious point I'm trying to make here, I mean, does anyone in here think that my heart was prepared for, to take those online college classes? Was I ready for anything that, that would have been taught, any challenges in those classes? And I hope that I made it obvious enough that I had no desire, therefore my heart wasn't in it. And so the answer is no, I did not have my heart prepared. Well, I think that gives us an idea of what an unprepared heart is. I mean, just from my personal example. But I want us to look at the Bible as well, because uh, those are better examples than what I can give. In Second Chronicles chapter number 12, 2 Chronicles chapter number 12, and um, in verse number 14, it's just a short little verse, but I can, we can get a little background on this or get a little understanding. Right now, we are contrasting prepared heart, unprepared heart. We are contrasting. So verse number 14, it says, in 2 Chronicles chapter 12, verse number 14, it says, and he did evil because he prepared not his heart to seek the Lord. And this is talking about, you can look back at verse number 13, this is talking about Rehoboam. And um, if you know Israel's history and you know your Bible, you'll know that 
as I talked about earlier at the beginning, Israel split into two nations, uh, two kingdoms. It happened under Rehoboam's uh, reign when he became king. There was uh, Saul, David, Solomon, and then Solomon's son, which was Rehoboam. But it says here, he did evil because he prepared not his heart to seek the Lord. One of those things that happened when he uh, did not have his heart prepared, the kingdom split. I'm not going to recount the account of why it split, but you can look back in, in the Bible and you can read about that, how that he didn't take the counsel of the older, wiser men, and because of that, he did something foolish. His heart was not prepared, and he wasn't ready before the Lord. Another example, uh, just two examples here, uh, just a few chapters later in chapter 20, Second Chronicles chapter 20, Uh, now, in this, this passage, we're actually talking not about the king of, of the land, but of the people. Uh, it, Jehoshaphat was the king at the time. Um, but in verse number 33, we can see what it describes about the people. Jehoshaphat did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, but the people, verse number 33, howbeit the high places were not taken away, for as yet the people had not prepared their hearts unto the God of their fathers. So in this one, we see that the people of, of the land, Israel there, they did not remove the high places. Uh, the false worship was made there, sacrifice to false gods, things of that nature. Obviously, God was not pleased with that. But because their heart was not prepared to seek the Lord, they didn't remove that evil that was in their land. They let it continue. So these are two examples of not having your heart prepared. What happens is we can see evil, you, you, you fall into sin, you fall into evil, and also you don't remove the evil, you don't remove the wickedness that is in your heart. But in our passage that we're reading in, in Ezra, we can see here that he did have his heart prepared. And there's just two verses that I want to, that helped me understand a little bit uh, about what a prepared heart is. And that's 1 Samuel 7, 3. And uh, if you want to turn there, you can. I've got them written here, just trying to save a little bit of time. It says, 1 Samuel 7, 3. And Samuel spake unto all the house of Israel, saying, If ye do return unto the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the strange gods and Ashtaroth from among you. And prepare your hearts unto the Lord, and serve him only, and he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. So you see the contrast, you see the difference. In this, in this passage here, it says, uh, return unto the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the strange gods. Returning unto the Lord with all your hearts, seeking the Lord with all your hearts, it will cause a person to put away uh, the wickedness. And, and then it says, uh, it will prepare your hearts unto the Lord, and serve him only. We have our hearts prepared. What naturally follows is then that we are serving the Lord only. He is our delight. He is our focus. Second Chronicles chapter 19, verse number 3. Again, I have this one written here for my sake. Um, in this passage it says, Nevertheless, there are good things found in thee, in that, in that thou hast taken away the groves out of the land and hast prepared prepared thine heart to seek God. So here's another example uh, where the people, because they had prepared their hearts, they removed the groves out of the land. And groves are similar, my understanding, to the high places. Uh, false worship is made there to false gods and, and sacrifice. Um, so a prepared heart will remove the wickedness, and it will fully seek the Lord, uh, whereas obviously an unprepared heart will not do those things. It will lead us into sin and away from the things of God, and the prepared heart is what we're wanting to have, what we desire, what Ezra had, and why he was able to be used of that, uh, used of the Lord, I should say. Uh, in Ezra chapter 7, verse number 10, I want, this is again the, 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 the main point of all of this, and I believe is what we really need to focus on, Ezra had prepared his heart, but for what? I mean, what, what was he doing, and what was, he, what was his preparation in, I should say? Uh, look at Ezra 7, verse number 10 again. It says, for, pre 
for Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it, and to teach in Israel statutes and judgments. You see, Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord. He had come, he had the, uh, at that time, what they had, the Old Testament scriptures that they had, but his heart was ready to seek the law of the Lord and to do whatever it said. He, he, uh, he, he was prepared, he was ready. There's a, um, an example of this in the New Testament as well. Um, in Acts chapter 17, it's a different wording, but it's the same concept. Acts chapter 17 and uh, verse number 11. Uh, again, a little background on where, where this is so you know that I'm not necessarily just pulling this out. Um, this is when Paul and uh, Silas, I believe, were going around and they were preaching. They were on one of their missionary journeys. They had just gone into uh, Thessalonica, in, into the synagogue, and they were preaching unto the Jews. They were showing, they were opening the Old Testament scriptures uh, according to verse number three, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered. So he was showing them Christ is the uh, Messiah that is told about in the Old Testament. He was trying to show them this. But the Jews there, they didn't believe, and they basically sh- uh, shoved them out of, out of the town. They had to flee by night, and they fleed to Berea. So in verse number 11 of chapter 17... Uh, this is where we pick up. Paul and Silas had come into Berea, and they were now in the synagogue in, Ber- in Berea. And the Bible says that these were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind, and searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. So, in these two passages, Ezra chapter 7, verse number 10, and, and Acts chapter 17, verse 11, we're talking about uh, what it sounds like, two organs, your, your mind and your heart. But I think we can all understand we're not talking about the muscle that, that pumps blood or the brain physically. We're talking about the, uh, the thought life, the inner man that the Bible refers to. Um, and, and so I believe that these are similar ideas, similar passages. These Bereans, they were more noble than the Thessalonians. The, the Bible says they were more noble because they received the word with all readiness of mind, meaning they were prepared. Whatever the, whatever the Bible said, whatever was shown to them from Scripture that is true, they were ready to receive it. They were prepared. Their hearts, their minds, as in this passage the Bible uses, were ready to hear what God had to say through the scripture, and they were ready to believe it. They weren't already uh, preconceived ideas that, well, it doesn't say this, so no matter what Paul shows us, we're not going to believe it. Uh, they were open. They were, they were willing. This is the idea that I believe we're talking about here with a prepared heart or a ready mind. Um, <clears throat> they were willing to receive whatever it said. And then they, it says here, studied the scripture honestly, accepting it as, as truth. So clearly they had a high regard for the scriptures. They placed the scripture where they should be, which is ultimate, your ultimate truth, ultimate authority. Also, Ezra clearly loved the word of God. And he spent time knowing the scripture that they had at that time. And this is an example, I believe, that we need to follow as well. We need to, uh, as Christians today... We should be doing the same thing. We need to be like Ezra and the Bereans and that we should love the word of God. It should be our ultimate source of truth, not the science of the world, but the word of God. It's the only thing that is true. And we need to spend time every single day with ready and prepared hearts to receive the word of God and let God work in us so that he can help us to grow. I believe, um, and, and uh, you know, I've heard pastors say the same thing, that when you go into your Bible time, which I hope we all do, have time every day, but you should go in ready and prepared. Pray. Pray before you read the Bible. Ask the Lord, you know, there might be sins in your life that you've committed that you need to confess to the Lord and make your heart right. Get yourself clean so that the Lord can then fill you up. Empty yourself of yourself and allow the Lord to work in you and fill you back up uh, with the things of God. So we need to be in the Bible every single day, and we need to read it with a ready, prepared heart and mind. But don't miss what it says. There's just a little phrase back in Ezra chapter 7 
in verse number 10. There's a little phrase in parentheses there that we don't want to skip over. I believe that it's in parentheses to make us slow down and to specifically have to read that carefully. Uh, It says, For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach in Israel statutes and judgments. You see there it says, and to do it. He had his heart prepared. He was ready. He sought the law. He sought the word of God. This is what the Bible tells me to do. But then it says he was ready and prepared to do it. Whatever the Bible taught him, whatever he saw, the Old Testament passages that they had, the laws of God, whatever it said and whatever he found in scriptures, his heart was soft and tender to, and he was going to, okay, Lord, I see that this is what you want us to do. This is what I'm going to do. There's nothing else to follow. So a person who has his heart ready to seek the Lord will then also follow the word of God and do what it says. We as Christians today, we can read in scripture, and I hope that, like I said, we're having time every day reading the Bible. But when we read, especially, especially the clear commandments given to Christians um, in, in the uh, New Testament, and I don't say that to mean that you know, there can't be things that we gain from the Old Testament. There absolutely are applications like what the Lord put on my heart. But there are commandments given to Christians in the New Testament. And when we read those, husbands to wives, wives to husbands, children to parents, and, and so on to your uh, employers and everything, there's all kinds of scripture that tell us how, as Christians, we should be conducting ourselves, how we should be behaving toward others, how we should be behaving towards those in authority over us. And a Christian who has his heart prepared will also be willing to do whatever, will humble himself and do whatever the Bible is telling him to do. And I hope I've get, got that point across to us that, that that was a big deal for Ezra. That was a big deal for him to be able to do. Remember what we outlined here, the whole task that was before him, that was not a small job. That was not a little thing that he could go into lightly. He had to have his heart ready and right and prepared and focused on the Lord to be able to do what the Lord wanted him to do. And again, it was what the Lord wanted him to do. And we should also have that desire in our hearts. Ezra had his heart prepared, and this is an example for us, and so we should follow that as well. God has uh, clear plans for our lives as well. He wants us to be involved at church, for one, but there are specific areas. We can be Sunday school teachers. Uh, We can we can do all kinds of things in the church. We can lead choir. We can sing in the choir. We can, we can help in the nursery. We, whatever it is, the Lord will put it on your heart. But if our hearts aren't prepared, we're not going to be even listening to hear that the Lord wants us to do these things. Our hearts need to be prepared so that we can then, when the Lord asks us, puts it on our heart, hey, why don't, you know, there's a vacancy over here in Sunday school. Why don't you fill that? If our hearts are prepared, our answer should immediately be, yes, Lord, that would be great. I'm ready to do this. I've been seeking you every day in the Bible. I'm ready. Let me do that for you, Lord. So that was the first thought um, of, of what it, I think, what it means to have our hearts prepared, what I saw it means to have our hearts prepared. The second thought uh, is why. Why should we desire to have our hearts prepared for the Lord? And uh, this isn't in my notes, but it stood out to me immediately the first and foremost reason should be because of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and what he did for us on the cross. Because of his incredible love for us, coming to this earth, taking his sin, or our sin upon himself and dying for our sins to save us. That should be the number one reason why we desire to have our hearts prepared to seek the Lord is because we love him. Okay, I hope we all understand that as Christians today. I hope, that, I hope that you all believe that and understand what Christ did for us and the love, therefore, that we should have because he first loved us. But the point that I had written down here of why we should remember or why we should desire to have our hearts prepared, I have a different thought on that, too. Um, if, if you'll remember back to the example that I gave from my life about how that um, I, I had decided... Um, with an unprepared heart to take these online classes that I thought I would be able to do much easier. Um, well, I can't remember. It was a long time ago, uh, many years ago, but I do specifically remember that it had been maybe two or three months, not very long at all, pretty short amount of time when you think about it, it takes uh, two years to get an associate's degree. And um, 
I was struggling. I had no desire to be in these classes, and man alive, I couldn't understand most of what they were trying to teach me because I would just kind of quick jump on and, all right, I got this maybe, and, no, and I didn't. And there came to be, I think, I think maybe it's finals that you have at the end of the semester, and, um, or else it was just an assignment, but I couldn't handle either way, whatever it was. There was an assignment given, and I looked at that assignment, and I was like, what? what are we doing? Well, I don't know what this is. I mean, it's, it was like a foreign language to me, and I, 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 I tried to look at it and tried to understand what, what is this? What am I supposed to do? This is really complicated. Have we even been learning this this whole semester? What are we doing? And um, the point I'm trying to make is my response, an unprepared heart, was like, eh, eh, I don't want to do this, and I quit. I mean, and again, students or, or young people, don't, this isn't an example to follow. This is a negative example of what happens when we don't have the right heart. But that's what happened to me. I did not have my heart prepared uh, for these college classes. And when opposition came, which it didn't take long, uh, the first real big assignment, it was too much for me. I quit. I gave up. I'm out of this. I, I, don't, I don't need to put myself through this. Why should I? It's too difficult. <clears throat> so... In our text, though, something similar, uh, opposition, I should say, similar opposition, uh, not quite similar, much worse opposition, actually, but opposition, nonetheless, came against Ezra. Go, go back to chapter 8, uh, verse number 20, 22. Chapter 8 and verse number 22. Remember where we are. Uh, Ezra's leading this group of, uh, so I dropped out of the class, so I couldn't do this math correctly, but I think it's 1,500 or something like that people that he was leading back to um, Jerusalem. And so in verse number 22, we read of opposition that came up against them. It says here, For I was ashamed to require of the king a band of soldiers and horsemen to help us against the enemy in the way, because we had spoken unto the king, saying, The hand of our God is upon all them for good that seek him, but his power and his wrath is against all them that forsake him. But the thing to notice there, it says that they stopped. Back in verse number 15, they had stopped. They had set up camp, and they had been there. And now we see why. There was an enemy before them, out in front of them. There was opposition that had come to them. They had decided, uh, they had decided to do what the Lord wanted them to do. And then opposition came. Now, from my reading of this, what I see is that... Uh, is that he could have gone back to the king Artaxerxes and he could have asked for help as I, as I read this. For I was ashamed to require of the king a band of soldiers and horsemen. Um, I don't believe that uh, it would have been outside of, I mean, King Artaxerxes had given them this decree, told them you can do this. It sounds to me like he was also willing to send an army with them to protect them against any enemies. It's, it seems like Ezra had that uh, available to him. He could have been afraid, and he could have taken that help. He could have also quit, like I had done. He could have decided, boy, this, there's opposition coming against me. I thought this was the will of God, but it, it clearly can't be. There's an enemy before us. There's opposition. If this was the will of God, there, there wouldn't be any opposition. This can't be the right timing. Come on, guys, let's all turn around and go back to Babylon, and we'll wait for a better time, or we'll get the help from King Artaxerxes. If his heart had not been prepared then it's very possible that that could have been his response. And the, the outcome of this account could have gone from a positive one that we read of, someone serving the Lord, to a negative one, someone falling in the face of opposition. <clears throat> but he didn't do that. He stayed where he was, and he declared a fast for all the people to pray and seek the Lord. And he knew that the will of God was for them to go to Jerusalem. And he loved the Lord, and his heart was ready and prepared to do all the will of God. And so when this strong opposition, the enemy, as I understand this, the enemy that was before them came up against them, he was ready to turn to the Lord, not to man that was apparently available there to help him. He turned to the Lord for his help and strength. He was able to draw from what was in his heart. His heart was ready and prepared. His heart was filled up with the word of God. His heart was filled up with the will of God. And when the opposition came, he was, he was able to draw on that. As Christians today, as Christians today, 
we need to also have our hearts prepared to seek the Lord because there is opposition that will come against us as we desire to serve the Lord and to follow him and to do the will of God. Uh, 1 Peter 5.8 tells us, a familiar verse, I'm sure all of you know this one very well. It says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. The Bible makes it clear that Satan hates Christians, but he hates even more Christians that are committed to following the will of God and are serving the Lord with their whole heart. He tries to put anything and everything in our path to, to stumble us, to get us to stumble and fall. It's not always, you know, blatant sin. It, sometimes it's just the wrong path. Sometimes he just opens what appears to be a good road for us to go down, a good uh, opportunity for us to follow. But what happens with that is we turn from our eyes being on the Lord to this thing, and we can convince ourselves without seeking the Lord, without prayer, well, this must be the, what the Lord wants for me. This is, looks like a good thing. And this can be the way that he deceives us. It's not always just flat-out blatant sin that we can all recognize that is sin, and that is something that we shouldn't be uh, a part of. Opposition will come against Christians. I, I promise you that. You're, I'm not exactly uh, a, a very experienced adult. I mean, I'm, I'm somewhat young, and so I'm not trying to talk down to any of you. You are all Christians, probably been Christians much longer than me. You know that opposition comes. You know that the enemy hates you and wants to try to get you to slip up in your marriage, in your homes, at work, whatever it may be, in the church. He tries to get you. And we need to, we need to be ready and prepared. Uh, as I was mentioning there, sometimes that opposition um, isn't always just a blatant sin. Sometimes it's something little that you know, the Lord wants us to do. For example, uh, this has happened to me many times, and I've had to, I've had to immediately pray and ask the Lord to forgive me because I've recognized it immediately after it happened. You know, there have been times when I have an opportunity walking out of work. There's a, there's a co-worker of mine that, that uh, I believe needs the Lord, and I've been praying about him. And I've been praying, Lord, I, help me, give me an opportunity to, to witness to this coworker. Give me an opportunity to tell him about Jesus, to even just hand him a gospel tract and invite him to church, and hopefully then, you know, he can hear the word of God. And there have been a, several times where I've been walking out of work, and it's just him and I. We've got about a two-block walk to our uh, lot where our cars are parked. There's no one around. It's nice out. We're not in any hurry. We're just talking. And Oh, your heart starts bumping or beating real hard, and you get sweaty, or at least I do. You get a little nervous, and you know that the Lord is pricking your heart. Hey, this is that opportunity. You were praying about this, remember? This is that opportunity. But I just keep walking. And then by the time I maybe have worked up the courage, I can, oh, it's too late now. I mean, we've only got 20 feet to the cars. Maybe next time. Maybe next time. That was opposition. That opposition was my own nervousness, the flesh. The, well, what's he going to think? Am I going to make him feel uncomfortable? We got, got this walk. If I say this, we've got to walk together the rest of the way. You know, it, it made, me, made me nervous. And that nervousness was opposition that prevented me from serving the Lord and following him. Things like that. Things like that. This is the opposition that we need to be <clears throat> prepared for. Uh, I'll try to go through this last little thought. It's, it's, it's part of the same thing, but I want to just point out how quickly. This, this stuck out to me um, when I was ready to preach this the first time, at, uh, but this stuck out to me that time. Uh, it, if, you'll look, if you'll look at uh, verse number 9 in chapter 7, chapter 7, verse number 9, you know, we're getting the time frame. This is when they started, and this is when they arrived. For upon the first day of the first month, so the first day of the first month, began he to go up from Babylon, and on the first day of the fifth month came he to Jerusalem. Now flip over to chapter 8 and verse number 31. Notice the timing here. First day of the first month and um, first day of the fifth month. Four-month journey, as I would understand that, unless I'm mistaken. That's a four-month journey from Babylon to Jerusalem. But read in verse number 31. Remember how they stopped? We read this. They stopped at the river Ahava, and they camped there, and they prayed, they fasted, and they sought the Lord for the enemy that was before them. Read verse number 31 with me. Then we departed from the river of Ahava on the twelfth day 
of the first month. Twelfth day of the first month. So what I see from this is that within the first 12 days of them determining to do the will of the Lord, our hearts are ready, we're prepared, we want to do, we know what the Lord wants us to do, and we're determined to do that will. Within the first 12 days of setting out on a four-month journey, the enemy came against them. Opposition came. It was like that. It was right away at the beginning to get them to fall and falter. I'm not saying that, you know, we determined to do something for the Lord. He's put it on our hearts. He's given us clear direction to follow, and we determined to follow, that immediately as soon as we turn around, we're going to be hit with opposition. We're going to be attacked. I'm not saying that that's always the case. I don't have enough experience to to say that that's the case. But it's clear that that can come, and it can come quick like that. It can come right away. As soon as we determine to do something for the Lord, Satan wants to snatch that will, that determination out of us as fast as possible. He wants to remove that desire from us to get us off track so that we don't even attempt to start, so that we don't even attempt to get going in the will of God. That happened to them within the first 12 days. The enemy came against them. Uh, What I take from that is a point that maybe I've already made, but it's a great point, I think, that we need to be thinking about. We need to every single day be ready. We, every single day, need to spend time in the Word of God, preparing our hearts, seeking His face to ask Him to help us to follow Him every day. Because if you think that, if you think that coming here on Sunday and Wednesday, and that's an it, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you're not spending time in the Bible, you're not spending time reading the Word of God and praying, I can tell you right now, your heart is not prepared Your heart's not ready. It's not prepared to seek the Lord. It's not ready to do the will of God. You're going to, the opposition is going to come against you on Monday and Tuesday. And it's going to cause you to falter because you're relying on someone else to prepare your heart. You're not relying on, on the word of God, God himself, to prepare your heart every day. We're all humans, right? I'm not the only one up here that struggles every day with things and, and, has opposition against me every day when I determine to love my wife or do what I'm supposed to do according to the word of God. We need to be reading the Bible every day because the opposition comes daily. <clears throat> so no matter, no matter the opposition, great or small, we will all face it. And what really matters, though, is what's in our hearts. If we are following Ezra's example and spending time in the Bible and reading the, the words of God and praying then we will be ready to face the opposition just like Ezra did. He immediately turned to the Lord. He didn't didn't rely upon man to get him out. He didn't rely upon his own strength. I mean, could you you imagine with me, Ezra? He's a priest. Um, He's a priest, as, as I read in Nehemiah. In the book of Nehemiah, he's reading the law of God just like he was commanded. He's a priest, but could you imagine him trying to take up his sword and just say, I've got this. The, the Lord told me to go and lead these people, so he's just going to go after the enemy with a sword in his own strength. It wouldn't take but two seconds for him to be cut down, and that's the end. He had to turn to God. We also need to do that. If our hearts aren't prepared, we might be just like Rehoboam. Uh, when his heart wasn't prepared, and we will most certainly fall. Rehoboam, that's another thing I just think. Rehoboam, when did he fall? When did that happen? He had just become king, did he not? He had just become king, and the people had come to him and said, hey, you know, if you'll lower these taxes on us, we will serve you forever. We just need a little bit. Your father Solomon, he really taxed us, and if you'll just lower that a little bit, we'll serve you and follow you forever. That was right away when he became the king. That was his opposition. And, and what did he do? He sought the counsel of the wise old men, uh, older men of his father's counselors. He listened to their advice, which was, yeah, do that. Do that. They will serve you. That would be a good thing. But then he turned. said, eh, I don't know. What do the guys my age think? What are the young, inexperienced with the new ideas? What do they think? He listened to them. And they said, paraphrasing, um, I believe you all know this, He said, you know, be even tougher on them. Be even harder. Come down on them with a hammer and really give it to them. And you show them who's boss, essentially. And that's when the kingdom split. Uh, Jeroboam took one half, or more than half, took a a good group of the nation, and they formed the, the northern kingdom. But that was right away at the beginning of Rehoboam's 
king, kingship. The opposition came against him. It's just another point that I was thinking about. So we need to have our hearts prepared, and we need to be ready. We need to daily be ready. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, with no verse reference, but I believe it's uh, verse number 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse number 5. I didn't necessarily mean for you to turn there, but you certainly can. I was just trying to find the reference for myself. Yes, verse number 5. Uh, It says, examine yourselves, whether ye be in the faith. Prove your own selves, knowing ye not, know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates. But the part that I wanted to draw out there was uh, the very beginning. Examine yourselves, whether ye be in the faith. This is a command. This isn't a, you know, if you want to, maybe you could think about doing this. This is a command given to us. Examine yourselves. And that's what, that's what I pray for all of us today and for myself, we need to heed this command and to look into our own hearts. What is it that our heart desires? What is it that's in our heart? Do you desire the word of God? Do you desire to do whatever the Bible tells us to do? Do you love the Lord your God with all your heart? Or do you love the things of this world more than the things of God? Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord. I think I've said that enough, but that's the point I'm driving at. He sought uh, he prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord. Because of, the Lord. because of this, the Lord used him. The Lord used him because he had a prepared and tender heart. We can't be used if our hearts are hard to the Lord. And we need to have soft, tender hearts to the Lord. And that's the end of, of the point that I have there. But in addition to that, our hearts, you know, we can't do any of this. Opposition is going to come against us whether you're saved or not saved, right? Opposition, the world is, uh, it's a hard place and things happen in this life. And all of this is, there's hope, there's joy if you're saved and you're a Christian and you know that what happens in this lifetime is very minimal, very short, uh, just, a, just a hand breath, a vapor. It's nothing compared to eternity. But if you're not saved and you're lost today, and this opposition, it'll be different opposition. Satan's not going to try to destroy you. If you're already lost, he's got you. Uh, He might try to keep you there. But other things are going to come happen, and you have no hope. You have no joy because all that you have is what's in this life. And if you're not saved, there's an eternity. There's an eternity where the unsaved person will spend in a lake of fire. And, And I... It's a, a very literal place, and I, I don't know all of you in here, and I, I hope and pray that we're all saved. But if you're sitting in here and, and you think all of this stuff sounds, you know, crazy to have a prepared heart to seek the Lord and that he'll help you and that draw on him and seek him, maybe the Lord's working with your heart to get saved. And this, now is the time because, you know, all of us could walk out of this building, any single one of us could walk out of this building and get hit in a car accident, and that could be the end for us. And we don't get another opportunity. Once we die, that's that. There is no final opportunity. You'll stand before God, and that's that. There is an eternity. There is an eternity in the lake of fire. I'm not, this is not made up. This is literal. This is real. I don't want anyone to go there. I know that this wasn't necessarily a salvation message, but why not throw that at the end of every sermon we preach? Why not make that known every time the Word of God is open? We need people to know that the Word of God, Jesus Christ, is the only thing that can save us. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.